Welcome to the Pod Control Podcast, brought to you by Red Hat. Pod Control is your source for containers, Kubernetes, OpenShift, and all things cloud native. Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another PodCuddle podcast. It's good to be back with you again this week. Hope everybody is starting to get a little bit of the uh, the springtime weather. The the daylight are starting to be a little bit longer. We're getting closer to daylight saving. So hopefully everybody's doing well. Uh, the year's been going well so far for everybody. And, you know, as we mentioned, we're, we're always going to try and keep the show about 50-50 uh, between what's going on and some of the open shift things, but also make sure that, that we're also very, very focused on some of the really interesting things going on from a community perspective and, and some of the really popular projects that are both core to Kubernetes, but also uh, you know, are also being used quite heavily with Kubernetes. So very, very excited today to uh, kind of really focus around that area. Very excited today to talk about the Valero project. And so to help us do that, uh, Carlicia Pinto, who is um, senior member of technical staff at VMware, previously at Heptio, and also the open source maintainer for what was previously the ARC project, is now renamed the Valero project. So Carlicia, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thank you, Brian. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, so give us, before we get into any of the technology, give us a little bit of your background, um, you know, the things that you've worked on in the past, and then how you came to start working on on the uh, on the Valero project. Yeah, so I've been a software engineer for a long time now, and I started, let me just go back to when I started getting involved with the Go community, that was 2015. I went to my first GopherCon, met a lot of amazing people in the community. And I decided that I really wanted to work on projects that used Go as a language. And I worked towards that and learned Go. And finally, I, I made a move to Fastly, which is a CDN company, great company, San Francisco. Uh, I was working with the team that was building the TLS uh, management system for Fastly and worked on that for a couple of years. And in that time, I had people telling me, you really need to start working with Kubernetes. It's a silly thing, right? Like you're sort of chasing the shiny object. But to me, the community around Kubernetes was also very very enthusiastic. And I knew a lot of people in the Kubernetes community uh, just from knowing them from the Go community as well. Sure. And people from Haptio, I knew, I knew some people at Haptio uh, and they were also talking to me saying, oh, I would be a perfect fit. And I had people on the outside saying that would be a perfect fit for me. <laughs> and um, I explored an opportunity there, got an offer, accepted and they started working with, directly with the what was back then the Arc project, and I have to say I'm loving it. Excellent, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's always good to see when when people sort of get started. They they start in certain communities and they start to find that number one, the communities are welcoming. Uh, they're looking for smart people, and then you know to have opportunities to be. Uh, you know, working on areas that are that are moving very fast is is fun. It's uh, it challenges you. It makes you learn a lot of things really quickly. So that's that's excellent. Yeah, I'm very flattered. But with everything else, I agree with you completely. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, you know what what used to be called the the Arc Project uh, was recently renamed the Valero Project. You know, very focused on on sort of backups and things um, around Kubernetes. But let's talk about. The project in general. Give us, you know, what's the sort of high level overview of the project for anybody who's who hasn't heard of it or had a chance to to play with it or use it, and and then we can kind of dig into some of the details. Yes, let me start out by just touching base a little bit on the renaming because so many people ask about it. 
the rename was due to the fact that there is another backup project that's called Arc. And rather than engage in a match of, you know, who can use the name, we just chose to rename. Sure. And especially with the change to uh, VMware, because we could not add HEP to Arc, because that would be a sort of differentiator. Right. But with, this, with the change to VMware, we decided to just rename. And we recently, last week, we launched version 0.11, which is the first version that uses the name Valero. Yeah, so Valero is a tool that lets you backup your Kubernetes resources. So you can, um, if you have a cluster, you can backup every, everything from etcd, anything that you can use cube control get, you can backup. So mainly you can do a manual backup, you can do a schedule backup, and the your backup files will go to an S3 bucket, and that can be restored into the same cluster if you had a disaster or other clusters. It can migrate to other environments, and mainly that's what we do. Okay. So it's, you know, for the most part, uh, Kubernetes uses etcd as sort of its centralized database. That's where it keeps all of its configuration information. I, I think for the most part, it's you're focusing on on backing up etcd and then being able to reuse that to either create new clusters, replicate clusters, and so forth. Is that is that the kind of the biggest scope of the project, or does it start to get into uh, you know other places that you know other objects and things that it's trying to back up? No, I think what you said is correct. Uh, we don't do any infrastructure backup, so it's mainly the resources and um, yeah. And you know, backups are an interesting thing. Um, you know, if anybody's lived in the storage world, uh, you can get fairly sophisticated. You can take snapshots. You can do, um, you know, you're just taking little little chunks of what's changed and so forth. How granular do you find that that people want the backups to be uh, with uh, with Valero? So Valero is a very nascent uh, project, sure. and we don't have we are limited in what we can answer as far as what uh, people want. Okay, we are trying. We are working hard to get that feedback, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, but it's limited. So, but you know, do engage with us because we do want to know what the uh, pressing needs of the users are. Uh, we hear a lot of people saying, you know, we oh, we use Valero back then, Arc, but uh, they just use it and it works and we don't ever see them. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, let me, let me kind of, let me rephrase it because, because again, um, sometimes storage technology gets a little bit uh, in the weeds. When I do a backup uh, with Valero, is it doing a, a full backup, sort of like everything in the etcd uh, database or are you able to do kind of like increments? So let's say you 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 did a backup at you know twelve noon and you do another one at like two o'clock. Does it does it only take the the things that have changed, or does it always do a full backup of everything that's in the database? Yes, I thought that that was uh, what you were asking. Mm-hmm. We do a full backup. Okay. Now, with that said, we have the ability because we we go against the etcd API. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to do selective backups which is a different thing, but it's also useful in a sense that if you only want a partial backup uh, and if you select, if you uh, determine that uh, ahead of time, you can uh, choose to backup only one namespace or two specific namespaces or, you know, all of them or just some or just uh, select some labels. 
or some objects, for example, you can just backup pods. And some of our users, for example, just uh, backup certificates created by sort manager by the sort manager, so they can restore that into another environment. Yep. Some people don't like doing that, but you know, so for some people, that's very useful. Yeah. No. I mean, and that makes sense. That's sort of the the next logical question that would come up is, you know, if the database, you start having larger environments, the database starts getting bigger. Obviously, it makes sense to be able to to filter or be selective about what you want to pull from. Some things, you know, you might have, uh, you know, very strict requirements to back up and others, you don't care if they come and go, they could be a sandbox or something. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And that, that is one advantage of uh, using Valero because, Sometimes we, you actually, like you said, you don't want to back up the whole entire thing. You have different use cases. But also, if you are using Kubernetes on one of the cloud providers, you don't have access to etcd. So you don't have access, you don't have a way to back up the entire etcd. Right. You know, one of the one of the questions that I hear sometimes um, is people will say, "Okay, um, you know, I, w- I want to do a backup, uh, but I'd also, you know, I have." pods running or applications running and and they're using persistent volumes so they've they you know we'd like to make sure that we could you know move the data associated with that that's a different process i understand but like they want to know how do i re reassociate with those persistent volumes are there things within the valero project that will help me not not only just back up at cd but also help me you know associate pods or projects with uh persistent volumes is that evolved yes. yet Yes, yes, we have that. So we offer, so we offer native support for uh, doing persistent volume backups. We have a plugin model, and that le- lets you add support for snapshotting persistent volumes that integrate with Kubernetes. So, for example, we support the three major cloud providers: Azure, cloud, uh, Google Cloud, and and AWS. So. Those three, we have the plugins are built into into Valero. If you have a persistent volume that is not integrated with one of those three and you want to write your own plugin, we offer uh, native support for you to do that. So just you write your own plugin and it will just work. Okay. Now, so if you're... If you are find if you don't find a plugin that works with the with whatever storage provider you are working with, then we offer a non-native way of snapshotting your volumes. You can use Restic. Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I saw a, a, an article written. I have to put it in the show notes. I saw an article written maybe yesterday or today that talked about using Restic as kind of a generic backup agent, and then it was working with Rook. So it gave an example of how to use one of the common plugins that isn't one of the cloud providers. Precisely. I know what article you're talking about. It was really well written. And one really cool thing of doing it with Rastic too is that you can take a snapshot in one provider and restore it with into another provider. Okay. Let, let's talk a little bit about the, the architecture of, of Valero. Where do I need software running that's going to to do snapshots or maybe, you know, is it a client server model? Is it an agent model? What's the general architecture to help me? What do I have to do in etcd? And, and uh, you know, what are the different pieces of software that make this work? So first of all, for you to work with Valero, you need to have a cluster in place. We don't do anything related to your infrastructure. And from that point on, you need to have an object storage system. 
with a bucket that's S3 compatible. Okay. That's where the backup tar files are going to go. <clears throat> the block storage system is optional. Okay. That you will need if you need a if you have a persistent volume mm, to okay. that you want to backup. Yep. And then for, you also are you're going to need an IAM account with access to the S3 storage. And we run that with admin permissions because we need to backup and restore anything in the cluster. Right. Okay. And eventually we also want to have, we want to support multi-tenancy, but we're not there yet. And we do have simple policies to set the, the storage. So in, in our repository. Okay. Now, so uh, yeah, I said, I said before we back up any Kubernetes resource and yeah, I don't know how to answer if it's like as a client service model or an agent model. Yeah, no, it, that, that's fine. So let me, let me kind of ask some follow-ups then. Um, so, so I have, uh, I have a cluster running, uh, I have my S3 buckets so that I can, I can store my, my backups. Uh, I have the right permissions set up. Um, what, what actually happens, um, when I say, Hey, I, I'm ready to take a backup right now. What am I doing at that point? Did I, did I install some Valero software on that cluster? And then there's something that triggers it to say, Hey, take a, you know, take a copy of the etcd database and put it into S3 or what's the mechanism um, to make the, the backup happen? Yes. Yeah, so when you set up Valero, you're going to install a, a Valero binary on your cluster and that's going to be the Valero server. Okay. And from there, from there, you're going to have controllers that are going to be watching for any change in the SCD. Okay. So if, if, uh, if a backup come, if a backup is created, or if it's modified, or if it's deleted, those controllers are going to keep syncing and watching and uh, perform the operations as soon as possible. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so it's in essence, it's a you know, it's a it's kind of a not an agent, but it's a little bit like like Tiller is, I think. Uh, you know, where you have something that runs in the cluster, you have something within that that is keeping track of what's going on with that CD. Um, and, you know, potentially as changes are made, you have the ability to then make backups um, in, in some incremental manner, or like you said, some uh, specified manner. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Very good. So I think, you know, I think the important things to take away from that is you have to have, like you said, you have to have clusters running because the software is going to go on to running clusters. And then if you're going to create a new cluster off of that backup, so a failure scenario, or you want to move a cluster into a different environment, um, you also, there's an expectation that that second cluster looks like the first one, right? Like you have to do the work ahead of time to make sure that your clusters look identical so that when you do the repl- you know, do the backup and restore, the restore part of the backup, um, that it's going to understand the environment that it's it's going into. That is very correct. Yes, you have to ensure that at a minimum, you have, at the very least, you have a minimum level of compatibility with the cluster that you're restoring from. Right. So the assumption is like, if your current cluster is running, say, like 1.11 Kubernetes, it has to be the same version? Or is there like a backwards compatibility uh, capability? Yeah, that's a great question. It doesn't have to be the same version, but there has to be uh, backwards compatibility. So as long as it's, uh, there is same or compatibility, 
Yeah. So now with that said, obviously we might be using uh, parts of the Kubernetes API that were non-existent or were different in the prior version. And we need to do a better job of documenting. This isn't on our radar. On documenting what works with what version. Okay. Yeah, no, that but, make, makes sense. Yeah, it might be some functionality that you wouldn't work. Okay. And um, and you mentioned it. I want to clarify that I understood it. Um, you mentioned because we're not really installing this, you know, on the masters per se, like on etcd, because you said, you know, there's going to be scenarios where people can't get access to etcd. It's running as a public cloud managed service. This will work whether you run the Kubernetes cluster or you're leveraging one of the public cloud managed services. Is that correct? Correct. So okay. uh, Valera runs in its own pod and yes, you can run it on a public cloud. You can run on-prem. Okay. Either one will work. Okay. And the the pods just have to have, is it, do they need to have like root access, like high privilege access, or they just run as a, like a daemon set or something like that? The I know that the Rustic would run on a di- as a daemon set. Okay. But okay. but but our other uh, operations would run on the pod. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, not on the pod, but like for example, the uh, the server runs as a deployment. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that'll run as a deployment, and like you said, Rustic, if you're using that, runs as a daemon set. So. Um, so it's going to look like a like a normal Kubernetes application or normal Kubernetes set of pods and services. Yes. Okay. Good. So that way it can take advantage of of using RBAC or any other security things that you have to put in place in terms of who the user is or trying to log things. So that's really helpful. With that said, <laughs> so Valero has to have uh, admin permissions because it needs to have access to everything. And so one thing to be um, cognizant of is that you can't give access to the, uh, a restore operation unless that, that user is an admin because obviously oh, whoever yeah. has access to that is going to have access to everything. Right. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Right, right now we can only run as admin. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And if that's what we were asking before, sorry, I didn't catch it. Yeah, no, I think that was what I was kind of connecting is, um, you know, similar to like Helm with, uh, with the concept of tiller, um, you know, you, you have an admin level sort of uh, root level service that has to, to be able to, to, to not only capture things, but also sort of make modifications to things. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. It's, um, it makes sense as to how it's designed. So let me ask you one last question because I think we've I think we've covered a lot of the things that that are important to this. You know, if I sort of summarize it, it's um, you know it's like you said, it's still uh, it's still an emerging project. Um, there are people that are that are actively using it and so forth, and um, you know you're you're looking for contributions. Um, you know, it's it uh, you know it runs in the Kubernetes cluster. Uh, you've got to make sure you've got S three buckets to save uh, the backups. Um, you know, you, you've got to understand sort of the, the compatibility of backwards compatibility and so forth. And um, there's the ability to to integrate, you know, uh, persistent volumes uh, with different kinds of storage, whether they're they're natively there or, or people can build their own plugins. Um, obviously, this is going to be an area that are, people are going to be really interested in because backup and, and restore is is super important as you get into production and um, you want to run what's um what is the what does the community around the project look like what's the best way for people to to get involved um you know like if somebody said hey i i have an interest in this whether it's 
from learning or they want to contribute? Like what's the best way to get involved? Yeah, so there are many different ways and none is specifically better than the other or whatever is uh, more uh, natural to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are always on the Slack, Kubernetes Slack, and our channel is called Valero. Okay. If you want to just browse the issues we have and see what maybe you could tackle, uh, we are we try to do a pretty good job at labeling things. So depending on how familiar you are, you could, uh, if you're not very familiar with Kubernetes or Valero, you could go for the, I forgot how we name it, but it's like newcomers. Okay. You, you'll be self-identifiable. Sure. And or you can tackle anything you want, of course. And we always help people. People ask questions and we give them pointers because mainly we want people to who are interested to keep contributing. So it, it's, uh, it, it's good for us if people just want to come ask questions and we'll guide them. Okay. And you can interact with us on Twitter. Our handle is Project Valero. What else? And we have a Google Groups as well. It's called, I think it's Valero. Okay. We'll, we'll try and get all those in the show notes. So if, if people forget, they can go click on them. Um, one last thing. Uh, all of this is, you know, most of Kubernetes is written in Go. Um, you, you talked about your your experience in Go. I assume Valero is written in Go, so people would have to have some familiarity with, with the Go language to, to at least start to make contributions, maybe not so much just to have uh, discussions around it. Well, not really, frankly. Um, I would say... I think Go is sort of straightforward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nothing in, in programming is simple, but if you have some programming experience, experience, I have seen people make contributions that were just a little bit of a, just a small addition. That if you know if you know programming, it wouldn't be so complicated to to make that contribution, and we will help too. So I don't think you need to be. You definitely don't need to be a veteran in Go, if you can read, if you can understand, the the majority of the complexity would be in, you know, running the tests and sure. making sure you have an environment, you have you have a cluster to test things against. That, that would be more complicated than making a small change in Go. And another thing, too, is that not that I particularly think documentation is easy or even the easiest part to contribute to in the project, but there is documentation that can contribute to that doesn't require you knowing Go. So there's that. Okay. Well, very good. It's, uh, it's encouraging for people that want to get involved with the project that you guys are so so open to, to you know getting people in, getting them involved with it and so forth. Well, very cool. Um, any other kind of guidance you want to give folks about, about the project or just maybe the best way that, that you like to engage with people, whether, whether it's on Slack or on Twitter? Yes. We also run uh, community meetings. And if you follow any of our channels, you will be notified of when they happen. We sort of dropped our, our cadence because of the merger with uh, between Haptio and not the merger, but the acquisition right. of uh, Haptio by VMware. And we we are desperately uh, longing to have those back. And our cadence is every two weeks. So every two weeks, we hop on a Zoom call and we would love more and more people to join us. And, you know, some of these discussions are about the roadmap and we want pe- people's input to, de- to have solid, to make solid decisions about what we should tackle first. And other, uh, 
other one of our meetings are, you know, let's discuss what we're working on and people can become familiar. They can ask us questions. It's sort of like an office hour. They can get to know the team better. They can get to ask us questions about the code or anything. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, no, I know we have a number of people who, uh, you know, who run Kubernetes that listen to the show. So definitely, as you mentioned, you guys would love to hear feedback from them about, uh, you know, scenarios that they have for for backup, for recovery, um, you know, for potentially, I would assume, you know, things like disaster recovery are going to come into play at some point. So yeah, folks, definitely encourage you that, you know, as you're moving uh, your Kubernetes into production, as you have to think about backup and restore and, and potentially DR or just, you know, replicating clusters, um, you know, definitely get involved with the project, get involved with the team. Uh, they're very open to hearing uh, the types of things you need. And um, we'll, we will get uh, links to all the stuff around the Slack channel, the roadmap, uh, and all that into the show notes so you don't have to you don't have to remember them all. Well, listen, uh, Carlicia, thank you so much for the time today. Really enjoyed um, not only getting to know you, but getting to know, you know, how you've been working with this project and and the ambitions of the project. It's uh, it's very important work. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Brian. I love the invites and longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> I love your show. Keep doing the good, good work that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. Folks, with that, uh, for Carlicia and for myself, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, thank you for telling a friend about the show. Thank you for rating it on iTunes. And uh, with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Pod Control Podcast. You can find everything about the show at podcontrol.com, P-O-D-C-T-L, or at Podcontrol on Twitter. We'll talk to you again next week.